Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint, as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another beer-tastic voyage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 16, the Happy New Year edition of Beer-tastic Voyage. I'm Kevin. This is Mark, Feliz Navidad. And I'm Justin. I have nothing interesting to say. (laughs) And today, we are going to be checking out Destination Unknown Beer Company out of Bayshore, New York, or affectionately known as Dubco, which I think is a fantastic way to just abbreviate things. And I, I love that. I love the brevity, and it, it's just got a good ring to it. I like it. Yeah, Destination Unknown is definitely a little bit mouthy, and Dubco is certainly a much uh, more succinct uh, phrasing. Yeah. Words. It's shorter to say out loud for other people yeah. to understand. There, there's a word for that that is escaping me at the moment. So. Apparently, yeah. apparently, it's escaping all of us. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, just to cover for ourselves, if anybody hasn't figured this out at this point yet, we record a few episodes at a time, and uh, most of us are still pretty buzzed from our special uh, release edition episode. Thank you, Mustache Brewery and 42. Yes, I... Uh, yeah, this is the third ep- our third episode in the session, and it is it's always a little more fun than the a, a little more loosey goosey than the first episode of the session. Yeah, it certainly is. The uh, it reminds me of the first time. Uh, well, the only time Mark and I have been to Destination Unknown, we had uh, it was just before 1940s opened. Actually, we were hoping to go to 1940s, but they weren't open yet. So we frantically searched on the internet after we visited Spider Bite for the first time to try to find a, another place to go because you know, yeah, of course we couldn't stop consuming field. beer. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. And we ended up at Destination Unknown, which had a great uh, um, food truck out front called Old Time, T-H-Y-M-E Barbecue. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, great barbecue. I don't know why, but he was just basically ready to give away his food for half price by the time we got there. And we got uh, some tasty nachos and a delicious pulled pork sandwich for the price of one. Absolutely. We appreciate that. We're more than happy to pay full price. So, uh, you know, let us know. The... uh, the the tasting room is is nice. It's actually gotten even nicer. I went there recently, obviously, to purchase our uh, our sampling today, and I went and, there with my wife. So just to, we have to shame you because you forgot to bring <sighs> glass with you, and you had to buy new glassware. So shame, shame. Yeah, I want yeah. the I want that uh, nun lady from uh, Game of Thrones with the bell, so she can <laughs> just walk behind you and yell shame, shame. Well, <laughs> once again, I will reiterate that I have no idea. Anything about Game of Thrones. All right, picture a nun with a bell walking behind you and every three steps ringing the bell and just shouting, shame. Oh, perfect. Okay, There you go. You got the whole image. So it's like the whole Scarlet Letter. Yes. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So culture you don't get. Also, you're working naked. Oh. Well, you're naked. That's not good. Not the nun. That's not good for anyone. Don't get excited about that, okay? This isn't good for anyone. I'm going to uh, get that out of our listeners' heads start talking more about beer. <laughs> so the, the tasting room is uh, – it, it may be a little difficult to find if um, if you're in an industrial area in Bayshore. It's on Chicago Avenue, which, you know, unless you're from Bayshore, I'm not sure if you know exactly where that is. But um, typically when we've gone, there's been a food truck. There wasn't the last time that I've been there, but it's well worth uh, finding. The Everyone there is really nice. They have a very interesting thing where you can uh, try to win a drinking beer for life. There's a, I'm not exactly sure how it works. You'll have to check with them. But I know that for there's a $100 entry fee, I believe, into a raffle that's limited to, I think, it's 20 people. 
and then they pull the raffle every so often, and the person that wins gets to drink beer for life, free, there. I don't know what the stipulations are or how much you get to drink. There's even a, uh, an entry into it where you can pay $20 into a pre-raffle where you, if you win that raffle, you then get an entry into the real raffle. Okay, I was I was almost in, and then when you said entry into a pre-raffle, I'm like, okay, this is just a racket. No, no, no. This is just a racket taken advantage of people that have sampled a few beers already. No, there's no Bernie Madoff here. It actually, it looks like a a really, a really interesting deal. I didn't. It's totally uh, legit. I swear. (laughs) I I believe that it is. It's a scheme. But uh, I didn't enter, but it it looked pretty interesting, and uh, I forgot to ask about it because honestly, the beer there was very good. I had a bunch of them, and I felt like I should uh, exit stage left after I ordered the uh, the libations we're going to have today. Um. The uh, I'm interested to taste or to bring this to you guys because it's not a, a brewery that I knew about, and I don't know how many people do who's not who aren't um, somewhat entrenched in the craft beer scene because I haven't seen anything about them other than um, what you know Mark's introduction to taking me there. Yeah, I to be honest with you, I didn't know much about them or had ever tasted anything from Destination Unknown before we decided to drive out there that uh, one Saturday, whenever that was six months ago or whatever yeah because i'm not always the brightest bulb in the pack it took me a little while to figure out that i had seen some things from quote unquote dubco around and gone i don't know who these are and then finally figuring out that oh that's destination unknown oh that's who we're talking about finally was able to put it together i still haven't had any of their beers before so i am really looking forward to trying a couple yeah, I know that um, they've done some recent upgrades in terms of capacity, because when Mark and I were there earlier in the summer, there were several of their beers available, but you couldn't get them on Growlers because they just they, they were on a smaller system. And I don't know the details of it, but I know they've upgraded their system. And now I was able to get any, anything I wanted on Growler except for one, and it was called Sonar, and it was a Saison, uh, and it was spectacular. So if you can get down to the, the tasting room and try that one, I, I would. Um Along those lines, I think we're going to start off with uh, the first beer from them is going to be their Gilgo. Uh, for those not in town, Gilgo is a local beach, and uh, they, everything is named um, very. I like their names. As we go through, we'll, we'll explain. You kids want to see dead body? <laughs> oh, come on! Oh man, Mark, I totally. <laughs> that's where Mark went. With yeah, it. I wasn't. I wasn't going to go there. There's nothing to do. I with can't. Dead I can't pass up a Simpsons reference like that, though. <laughs> I know. I know. There's, there's, there's no dead, there's no dead body reference with this beer. It's, uh, it's a Goza. It's six percent alcohol, and uh, to keep in theme with what we've been doing lately, I'm going to read the, uh, the description they gave on their menu after we, we taste it, so that we don't, we don't get um, uh, influenced at all by it. It is a uh, nice pale straw colored beer. Yep. Super, well, no, super clear. Also super. We're trying to get away from that word. It is relatively clear there is a bit of haze if i uh put my finger on the opposite side of the glass there's definitely some haze there but it is very clear yeah um i've had a little bit of effervescence coming through there which is just another um and you know there wasn't a whole bunch of head on it but i think straw is the right color there it doesn't have that goldeny color to it it has it's really just more of a pale yellow color but the smell is is really clean smell. I don't get a whole lot of scent of pretty much anything in the nose, to be honest. No, and I think part of this is because uh, these are growler fills, and I think Justin, you picked this these up about a week ago, right? Yeah, a little bit, little yeah, yeah, tad, yeah exactly a week. Um, okay, so it's it's 
probably lost some of that aroma over the course of the week. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as far as Gozas go, this is pretty nice. I personally prefer some more tartness, but this isn't bad, It the and the, the saltiness definitely isn't overdone, which is always pleasant to see in a Goza. I can say that when we had it, um, at the tasting we did um, there, me and my wife, the, uh, the there was a, definitely more tartness. It was a little bit more assertive um, right off the tap. It, it um, it's definitely a little more bland now than it was. It's still very good, but it's um it's not as in, as intense as it was. It wasn't over intense to begin with, but it was definitely more prevalent. I'm getting a um not forward, but a very distinct lemon taste in there. Yeah, that and that's gonna come from the coriander. Uh, which, in addition to the salt, is what makes this a goza as opposed to a Berliner Weiss. Well, I really like it, and I think as far as, you know, we already mentioned that we're, you know, we record multiple episodes and we were just drinking very heavy beers. This is a really nice change of tempo, you know, change, change of, you know, change of pace here to, to clean the palate. Like, I would almost say, like, we could drink these in between the other ones, instead of water <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's ta- it's 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 much more tasty than water like but it but it really is that it cleans the palate and it doesn't leave any flavor left behind like i'm i feel it's very refreshing too i really like it yeah the uh, the flavor text they have is a goza is defined as a salty sour with beer our gold goza is salty up front with a refreshing tart finish some is de- some have described it as a margarita in a beer which i think is fairly accurate um, I don't get, yeah, um, I wouldn't say margarita, but that might be one of those ones that, you know, straight out of the tap, it tastes more like that yeah. when I could see how, if the lemon flavor was a little stronger, you would almost get to that margarita kind of sensation. But I, the salty kind of hits that same need that you have to have, you know, uh, you know, peanuts or pretzels or something when you're drinking beer, like to have that little bit of counterbalance there. I feel like this beer hits that same that same Jones. Yeah. It, and like I said, it definitely, I, I don't know. Again, margarita in a beer, I think was accurate when I had it um, at the place. Right. It, it, not in the sense that you got this, you know, the, the salted rim and that, that super strong flavor, but I can definitely understand. The, I said the no, reasoning. no salt on the rim. No salt. <laughs> I will take my travelers checks to a competing resort. But what is it? Trichinide of the quinine in the guacamole. Not quinine. <laughs> what? Trichinide in the guacamole. Trichinide in the guacamole. Quinine is just going to help you with your malaria. <laughs> okay. So, uh, wow. Malaria in the guacamole. Great. Beautiful. <laughs> Don't die, Mark. Die, uh, die quietly, Mark. Damn it. Pardon. Pardon. All right. So let's bring this thing back. So, but, uh, yes, it was more of a more of a margarita beer when I had it. But what this brings me to uh, to a question for Mark about a, about how long you know do you think that a growler holds a beer? I mean, I'm sure it's style dependent. I imagine a porter or a stout would last longer in a growler. Yeah, you're gonna growlers. You really should enjoy. I'm throwing up air quotes here for those listening at home. I can hear them. Uh, should be enjoyed within, I would say, less than five days because anything more than that, you're going to get oxidation, you're going to lose carbonation, and, uh, you know, it's just not going to be the optimal drinking experience for most beers. It's not going to matter as much for porters, for uh, 
sweet stouts, things with lower carbonation levels where the lack of carbonation isn't going to uh, be as big of a component of the beer in the end. But, you know, they growlers are what they are. They do their job, and uh, for most breweries that are incapable of packaging in cans or bottles for one reason or another they're a way to bring it home and i can't complain about that so yeah i just you know for me like you said this has been in there i got it last saturday this is sunday so i guess we're on day eight so we'll say it's been seven full days in the uh, in the growler and i'm just wondering how much uh, how much that affected i imagine that for a, a goza it's gonna have more of an effect yeah uh, you know the, the lack of combination there is gonna um probably why the difference in the perceivable tartness that you had because the dissolved co2 is going to form carbonic acid in the beer which is going to increase the uh perceived tartness of it in addition to the uh what is almost definitely a lactic acid in the goza but uh you know it's still an enjoyable beer um i me personally rating the beer i'm gonna say that's a growler I love the the Gozas, the Berliner Weisses, the nice, light, tart, refreshing beers. And, you know, like I said, that's a very good Goza. The salt isn't overdone. It's nicely tart and refreshing, and I drink a lot of that. You know, it's not quite keg level for me, but a growler is a good sort of range. Yeah, I think that while I was, you know, now that we, we rate beers in this way, every time I have a beer, I start to think to myself what I what I give this if I were on the podcast. And I'm pretty sure in that, you know, while I was having it, I was thinking Growler, and even after having it now, I would say Growler is the right level. I think it's a beer that you can have um, for, for, you know, it's fairly sessionable as well at 6%. So in contrast to, oh, our, wow. to our previous yeah, that's, episode. That's pretty high for a Goza. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's still, you know, it's borderline sessionable. I think sessionable is around 5 usually. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's one of those uh, things that is hotly debated as to where the cutoff is as far as sessionable is concerned. Usually, I I would say that uh, the most widely cited level is under 4.5% for a sessionable beer. So, Well, it's interesting because in the craft beer, like around craft beer... I mean, seeing four and a half percent—that's like epically low for the most part when you when you're in craft beer. It certainly is, and there's been some pushback uh, recently. I I cannot think in the name of the gentleman, but he actually started what he calls the Session Beer Project as an effort to sort of uh, bring American craft brewers back from this higher alcohol, higher hop. Like, all right, buddy, you know, like, all right, we get it, we get it calm down bring it back a little bit you know people want to be able to have more than one of these things and still be able to drive home like yeah dial it back a little bit nobody's gonna complain i'm pretty yeah. sure most people listening to this episode are gonna understand that yeah i mean i think that makes that makes a lot of sense that um you know part of the thing that we love or at least i love of craft beer is that they are able to explore and they're able to experiment and go to further off the beaten path yeah but not everything needs to be turned up to 11 no i i mean my amps go there but the rest of it doesn't necessarily have to go there um and i understand that and i agree and usually for my own baseline is i think of it if i think of something as sessionable if it's at the 
mass market level or lower. So I usually look around five, five point five or lower. I usually think of going, you know what, okay, I could probably have a few of these and I'm gonna be okay and I can hang out and drink them. So usually like like six would be the very top end of, of my own personal scale. And that's just I think I kind of knowing who we, you know, drinkers need to know where they are and how they handle you know, quantities of alcohol. And I think that kind of defines why we all come up with our own definition of sessionable. Yeah. It is definitely personal to a certain extent, but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I would, I draw the line at uh four and a half. So a 6% Goza is why I was yeah. kind of surprised. Yeah. Like, Oh, that, that's kind of high. It also doesn't taste like a 6% alcohol beer. No, not at all. It doesn't. And, um, I, as far as from my rating is concerned, I think I'm going to go, with the bomber on this one um i don't really want to chug it i don't want to go i don't think i'm gonna to have to want to want it maybe two days in a row um you know like to have a growler of it but i'm definitely gonna have more than one pint of it um i can drink two or three of it and i think it's a and this just, and i'm still stuck in my mind on the concept of using it as a as a uh, intermission beer, like if you will, ancient. like that, that's, that's like my net, like, this is my now thought, like, okay, we're going to go to the ne- next time we go out. Let's all go out to the lobby. Yes. Dancing sausages <laughs> in, in Justin's mind decide. <laughs> um, you is... can't see it, but Jason, uh, Justin just face palmed. And also I almost said Jason, which again, high alcohol beers. <laughs> they pile, they add up. of this. They yeah. add up <laughs> the, uh, and in case anybody was wondering, if you listen to the previous episode, we're still looking at three half-full bombers of the beers that are causing this episode to be a relative dumpster fire. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure your house is on fire. <laughs> I don't know if the microphones are picking up the sirens, but they're still going. Yeah, there have been fi- there have been sirens going off in our hearing for at least the past 20 minutes. It's been longer than that, and More I'm pretty that, sure yeah. it's Santa Claus visiting uh, visiting all the happy children around. Yes. Or the house is on fire. I, I told you, when I went upstairs, I didn't see any fire. The jet, you know, and as far as dumpster fires are yeah. concerned, the jet, the jet game, game was, was last, last night, night, so that's over. Um, But yeah, there's for always me, next year, buddy. You know, they're going to find a way to screw up even being bad. I need them to be bad and get a better draft pick, and they're going to ruin it by winning crappy games <laughs> that mean nothing, and they're going to destroy my hopes and dreams. Yet again. Don't worry. Don't worry. Damn it, Woody Johnson. Stick to band-aids. Leave your football team alone. At least one of the four games left is against the Patriots, so they're guaranteed to lose that one. Okay. Fuck you, Tom Brady. Your deflated (laughs) balls. We're getting off the beaten path. We're going into a different podcast here. It's time to go back to beer. What is the next one that we have? I see double and scribble on top of the top of the label here. What's it say? Okay. So this is called Double Rainbow. Woo! Yep. Double Rainbow. Which I believe is one of the beers that we had when we were there uh, way back when, Justin. But I, I think so. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. So I remember enjoying it at then, but um, we ordered it again at the tasting. And I have to say, this was my, other than the previously mentioned Sonar Saison, um, this, which I could not get in a growler, which, you know, tells you how good it is that they were that short on it. They, um, this was my favorite 
of the of the tasting that I had. We, me and my wife, tasted eight beers while we were there, and this was my my favorite of that, other than the Sonar. It's a Belgian double. I'm pretty sure from the name that's obvious, and it's a seven percent ABV. And I'll, I'll read the flavor text in this one because I don't think it gives anything away. It says this is a traditional double with a Dubco twist. Doesn't tell us what the twist is. I'm not sure what the twist is on the aroma though. This to me is a double. It's got that sort of uh, artificial bum- bubble gum sort of hint on the aroma again the carbonation level is a little bit low again because it's been sitting in the growler for a week i'm not going to hold it against it uh gavin i saw you take a sip what do you think of the flavor here no that was actually me shoveling uh pretzels into my face oh my bad um but yeah when you said artificial bubble gum um it absolutely smells like bazooka joe yeah oh that that's really it um it's got a golden you know, yeah. a little darker than gold color. It's um, not quite as dark as I would expect the Belgian double. To yeah, be. I thought. Now, I think I think in previous podcasts we've talked about how the uh, Belgian beers kind of bounce back and forth between light and dark. How like yes, their blondes are light, the doubles are dark, but triples are light again. Right, and and I would ex- yeah, and that's kind of why I was dark. surprised. I usually think of doubles as a darker beer, but this one is almost like a dark honey color. But the smell is delicious. It really smells good. I'm going to taste it now. The flavor is also very good. Uh, again, it's a, a little bit lacking in carbonation, but I still enjoy it. It's not too sweet without that. And, uh, yeah, I doubles are one of my favorite styles. I also pref- like Belgian blondes, but, you know, I like the dark beers. Yeah. And uh, doubles are no, this as, is really tasty. About um, as strong as I can go with, and still have more than one. Yeah, I remember I had a, I had a quad from Victory at the house for a little while because we would keep we would drink something else and then we'd be like, hmm, Mark's gonna have to go pretty soon, or you know, yeah. <laughs> this party's over pretty soon. We probably shouldn't open the quad. Yeah, yeah. this one's not getting open right away. Um, I mean, I think the last quad I had was probably the uh, the Three Philosophers from Omegang. Okay. Which is a pretty good one. I've had that one a couple times. It's readily available. Um, this one's really tasty. It's got that little bit of sweetness, that kind of a, you know, that, that, that candy sweet yeah, it, flavor that I like. The, the, the bubblegum flavor scent in the nose. And um, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a really, a really well done double. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, to, to kick off the rating on the beer, I, I had had uh, a, um, a tasting of this, and I actually ordered a pint because I, I enjoyed it that much while we were there. And it, for me, it's probably going to be uh, a growler. It's uh, it, The sweetness keeps me interested, and it's not something that builds on your palate. So every time I take a, a sip of it, I'm, I'm tasting the beer again. It's not getting more intense, or it's not it's not kind of nagging at me. It just every time it's good. Yeah, um, as I finished the sample that we poured out, I didn't get that kind of uh, the cloyingness that sometimes develops when you're having a sweet beer. That kind of that's the sweetness that builds up in your mouth. You know, it kind of feels like things are coating your the inside of your mouth. That didn't happen here, and I like that. And for me, I think I'm gonna go with a bomber. Um, yeah, I I like it. It's a, again, I think it's a good example of a double. It's a little bit different twist. It's not quite as dark or overly sweet as some of the other doubles that you run across. And I'm a big fan. 
I'm gonna agree with Justin on this one. It's a growler. It's a, it's a good Belgian double. It's nice and dry. Uh, we said seven percent alcohol. It definitely doesn't taste like it's that strong. No, not at all. And uh, again, it's not quite as dark as I would expect. Uh, I definitely would say that I prefer a bit more like raisiny character, a bit darker flavor in my uh, doubles, but. It's a solid growler. I would certainly drink my way through that and be a happy person. No, it makes a. I think that all all around this was a, a solid version of a double and a, a beer that uh, I also think this is a gateway beer. Like we've talked about that in a previous episode. I feel like this type of beer with its sweetness, it, when you if you give this to someone who is used to a standard beer, this may be a way to go from say the uh, the pills the the um, Polish town pilsner from Ireland. And then take them a little bit of a step further. Because I don't think this particular double has, like you said, the raising character or something that's out of the ordinary. It's something that could probably kick someone up into liking a different style of beer. Um, I understand I understand what you're going with that. Um, I would just add the one caveat of if they have a sweet tooth. Right. Um, if you know someone that happens to like sweets and was trying and you're trying to work their way into it then I would agree with you on this one. But I could also understand how if it's someone who's not a big fan of sweets, that they go and try this one and go like, oh, that's that's really not what I'm looking for in, in a beverage. Yeah, it definitely has a, an acquired taste. That's why I feel like it could be that if someone did like it, they could start to open their mind into, uh, yeah. into potentially other areas. Yeah. Or, if is... you're, or if you're at the beer, if you're at the brewery and you're having a flight, definitely include the, and you're choosing a flight for new beer drinkers include this in there and say hey here's the pilsner that the company makes now try this one this is going to change it up a little bit and i'm super happy that i'm seeing justin do exactly what i just said of going back to the goza to use it as a, a, a cleansing of the palate i, I wish it. that was on purpose <laughs> I wish I totally could play this off because no one could see me right now. But I poured a bunch of Goza because I was trying to pour our next beer, which is the Fidelis Ad Mortem, which is a Porter <laughs> Imperial Double. It's 8.2% ABV. And uh, the flavor text is interesting on this too, so I'm going to uh, hold it back. And uh, I'm going to pour some for me, yeah. and I'm going to pour some for Mark, but Justin can finish his uh, Goza. You can cleanse your palate with the Goza there, buddy. I'll test the theory. As we wait for the fire department to arrive to put <laughs> out the fire, that's certainly your ass. The, the, yeah, it, the, it, I, I don't think that the uh, the listeners can hear the. Uh, I can't hear it in my headphones, but the uh, the the fire department is driving past. It's the, definitely getting louder. I'm pretty sure they're driving past your house. Right yeah, now. presumably with Santa. If they stop out front, we may have to pause this to see if my house is on fire. As Mark has said like nine times, I think Mark wants my house to be on fire. <laughs> More than uh, even you To be do. fair, you do too. I could do with a new house. All right, so the Goza did actually clean my palate nicely. Um, much better than water would do. And it, uh, and again, not a knock. It's it's the, the really good salty character that I think uh, cleanses the palate so well. Yeah. So we have 8.2% ABV. And like I said, this is a Porter Imperial Double is what they say. Well, now, Mark, it says Porter slash Imperial Double. Now, is it a Porter? What 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 is why is there a slash and does it say imperial double afterwards? Is that two different styles of beer? Yeah, I, you got me on that one. I honestly don't know what that means. Uh, smelling and tasting this, I 
would call this more of a stout myself. It's got very assertive coffee notes that uh, I associate more with stouts than I do porters. Kevin, I see you uh, contemplating over there. Well, I'm trying to... It's surprising because I, I'm not smelling coffee in the sense that of what I usually think of the coffee scent of it. No, to um, be fair, it doesn't have much of any strong aroma, but when I taste it... Okay, I, I haven't taste... tasted it yet. I'm just going off aroma right now. Yeah, I don't get any strong uh, aromas off this beer, but when I taste it, I taste coffee. Yeah, I didn't either when we tasted it. Um, now that we do this podcast, I smell all my beer, which when you're around friends who don't drink a lot of craft beer or aren't quite as into it, make you look weird. But I, I did. Yeah, it just and... makes you look like a douche. That's all. <laughs> that, that, not weird. It makes you look like a douche, and you, that, that's really what you're trying to avoid. Yeah, it, you know, I used to make fun of people who smelled wine. Now, now I get it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it, uh, it didn't have that that aroma then either. So I mean, I'm just kind of, you know, flashing back to when it was first poured, so that the listeners kind of understand the difference between maybe what we're getting now versus what you would get when you're there. And yeah, the, there's, uh, there's it, a very sort of slight hop aroma. If I really bury my nose in the glass. But it's nothing particularly strong. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna concur with the the minimal aroma on pretty much anything. Um, a much lighter coffee flavor that I've had from a lot of darker beers. It's a it's a very it, it'd be a light roast coffee, not a I dark think, roast coffee. I think there's much more of a chocolate flavor. Than the coffee flavor, and I don't mean like much more like you're getting this crazy chocolate, like we were saying in a previous episode. It's like it's like a dark chocolate, like a cacao. Yes, yes, it's a dark chocolate, but it's not a very forward flavor of the dark chocolate to me. But that being said, I'm going to agree. Now, what was this? This said that they said this was a porter, right? Yeah, the porter. Now, in I'm going to disagree with Mark, and I'm going to say that yes, this does feel more like a porter to me. Then, then would be a stout because when I think of stouts, I think more mouthfeel than flavor profile, and this doesn't have the mouthfeel of a stout to me that this that the porter does have, which is to say, it's a little bit, it's a little bit thinner. It doesn't quite feel as full bodied, but it's a little more easy drinking to me. Uh, I agreed to disagree. I then that's that's perfectly fine. I, I listen. The reason we have three people is because we want a difference of opinions. We don't necessarily want just you know the echo chamber or just one person pontificating their ideas, even if yours are wrong and mine are right. You know, we we want that little variety. We got to have you know the yes, wrong side to there. get the right side. See it. So let's settle this. I'm going to read the uh, the flavor text, and I actually think that the, this is another instance where they're right on. It, it's this robust porter with a colon. Bittersweet roastiness with hints of fresh ground coffee and dark chocolate. This is the base recipe for the Andrea Doria Asian Woodford Reserve Barrels, which is currently on deck, and I'm going to try to get that for one of our shotgun episodes that you can find on SoundCloud so that we can follow up with um, what happens with this particular beer when you do put it in barrels. But the the bittersweet roastiness is, I think, the the key to this for me. That's that, kind of exactly that's a what very I get. accurate term. Yeah, bittersweet roastiness is good, and um, saying that they're going to add um, 
saying that they're going to barrel age this sounds really exciting to me. That's going to be, I think that's going to take a, a good beer. Like it, it, it could take this, the Fidelis, which is a good beer and turn it into an excellent beer and really make it into something creative and and exciting to drink as opposed to something that going, you know what, this is really solid. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is definitely a beer that could benefit from some barrel aging, the additional vanilla notes uh, provided by the oaking. And uh, yeah, I'm look, I'm not trying to say that I don't like this beer. It's a very good beer. I'm just saying that, and again, Porter and Stout, that distinction is one of those things that is hotly debated as to what makes one this versus that. Right. The the I mean, in the I know the line is really blurry there, as you know, as they're both from you know, they are cousin styles from similar time period and built on one another and have been tossed back and forth over the centuries. So I understand, like, I understand, like, why we're having that discussion and why that debate exists. So, um, it makes perfect sense that this is even occurring. Yeah. So I mean, uh, to give a rating to this beer. I'm going to say it's a bomber for me. It's uh it's a nice dark beer, but I think two glasses and I've had enough of it. Uh the bourbon or well, I'm not sure if it's bourbon necessarily, but the barrel aged version, that might be a little bit of a different story. I may want more of that. I think the, Woodford Reserve is a bourbon, right? I'm not sure. Let me uh, let me consult. Get the, the Justin Google. Yeah. Okay. While I'm doing that, what do you what do you got on this, Kevin? Kevin, uh, what for, do you think? For me, um, I think right now, as it is right now, um, it's a growler for me. Is I like it. It's a really solid beer. Um, I think it's a good starting point to use for a couple different recipes, and I I want to have it around. I think I'm going to go back to it and. I might pour myself out another one um, before we quite wrap up today. And it's, I think it's really tasty. I think Growler's the right on spot. And if we increase the flavor with that, when we get to that Andrea Doria version, I think the flavor is going to be a little more complex. I think the flavor will be, um, the flavor is going to be a little bit richer. I'm probably going to not want quite as much. Not that it's going to be bad, but it's just going to be more flavor that I want to keep consuming. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with bomber on it. The um the, the complexity of flavor is what I would look for. Right. And this one is is very straightforward and again not a knock. Very good. One of my favorites from the uh, from the two flights that we had while we were there. Right. I think that uh, two pints of this or a bomber is pretty much the, the the right amount. I did look up wood for a reserve. It does. It's in Kentucky, so I'm pretty sure that means it's bourbon. Yeah. And um I, that will add an interesting characteristic. Um, to the beer. Yeah. Now, um, speaking of Kentucky and bourbon, um, I have got my hands on one of the Goose Island. Um, uh, one of the bourbon counties? One of the bourbon Goose Island bourbon counties. They're 2016. Um, I actually bought two bottles. One I had to use to pay off a bet, uh, which I lost to a mutual friend of Justin and I's. Um, so oh, that was boy. sad, but... I paid it off yesterday. I gave it to him. So I'm going to give him a ring today and see if he gets a chance to try it. Um, but, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's one that um, I know I had posted on one of the social medias, like, a picture of it. 
I had gotten that and the Old Rasputin, which is another big, heavy Imperial beer to uh, get me through the cold winter weeks ahead. So I'm going to I'm gonna try those ones out, and let's see how those finish up. Now, one of the plans that we had for Black Friday before my wife threw her back out was for her to, to attend one of the uh, Goose Island uh, Rare uh, releases. Right. So I'm actually kind of glad that she's not glad she threw her back out. I'm glad we didn't get there because I just told her to buy everything they had. Right. And I'm glad I didn't because apparently, at least unless they're they're raising the prices, the place that had it, it's $65 for a regular size bottle of this beer. A 12-ounce bottle? 12-ounce bottle of this beer. It's in a wood container, so maybe it's a 16-ounce bottle, maybe, but it is definitely not a bomber. Right. And it was $65. Maybe that's the after price. Maybe it wasn't the price for the for the event. I have no idea. Right. But, that's wow. That's still a little rough. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to try it, but I don't. I can't drop $65 on it. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I'm not quite that, – that's not quite the income bracket that I live in. <laughs> yeah, also for me, the fact that Goose Island is owned by AB InBev – it just kind of turns me off from them to a certain extent. I yeah. enjoy Sophie. Sophie's one of their sours. I'll order that if I'm out somewhere because I like the sour beer, and that may be the only sour beer that's offered to me, so I'll get that. But for the most part, I kind of shy away from Goose yeah. Island. Yeah, which I had at Thanksgiving. I had the Goose Island uh, Pe- Pepe Nero, which obviously means black pepper. Right. And it was fa- that was fantastic. No, I mean, I'm... it doesn't have anything to do with uh, Donald Trump frogs. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've, I, I knew that Goose Island was bought by AB InBev a while back, and you know they, and I've just heard a lot about their Bourbon County um, over the years. Yeah, I mean, it, so right. I wanted to try it. it. It's a, it's a really reasonable bottle. It's um. I think it's a 16 ounce bottle and it's about 11 bucks. So it's, it's, it's a much more reasonable one to go try. But, um, part of the reason that I want to try it is because I want to go and see, okay. Um, is one of the companies that these big guys are buying, are they still creating interesting stuff that can be distributed out there that can still make them act like a small brewer? And, uh, you know, and they're just using the trucks of the big guy, you know, and that, that's something that maybe gives me a little more faith in going back to some of the other locals that have gone through the same pro, you know, like the local, like blue point that has gone through the same process. What's interesting to me about Goose Island, and this is only coming from following them on social media. I have obviously no, no additional info is that the events they're doing, like, you know, opening these limited releases right. every year. It's the, the the price number is a little disturbing if that was the price that it was released at, which I don't know. Right. But the uh, the idea that they're still doing small limited releases yeah. is is pretty cool, and it's, they seem to still be at least that particular brewery doing very interesting things. Right. I have no argument against that. It, going back to a previous discussion in one of our earlier episodes, it's ph- purely philosophical as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to give my money to AB InBev, and that's the long and short of it. Yeah, not me. I, I can definitely definitely understand that because if you know, let's say for argument's sake, all smaller brewers got swallowed up by larger companies, it wouldn't you know 
I mean, who knows what would happen to innovation? And, and obviously, part of the uh, appeal, especially for something like a like a mustache. I mean, uh, for you know, the term microbrewery, it's almost like a pico brewery. You go down a level in uh, metric status. You know, again, see see our math episode. <laughs> and uh, it, you, you, a small, a much smaller um, brewery. It, it's nice to walk in and and you know see these people and buy beer from them and kind of get a relationship with them a little bit. But, you know, things uh, – it'll be interesting to see what companies like Goose Island do with uh, a larger amount of cash flow and also distribution. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think this just about wraps up Dubco. Um, next time you guys head out, I'm really looking to join you guys. I'd like to experience their uh, their tasting room. Um, it's right next to an old um, employer of mine, so I know pretty much where it is. Now that you guys told me that that's where it is, because when I drove by there originally, I could not find it. Um, but looking forward to experiencing them maybe as we, uh, you know, as the weather warms up, usually we end up heading out a little bit more, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, the uh, the tasting room is really nice. There's a, a bunch of tables you can sit at. There's a there's an upper level that I believe they're going to open at some point if they haven't already. I think already. it's open now, yeah. Yeah, it might, it might be open. They have um, one of those cool ring games. I don't remember the name yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't know the name of it, but where the, the washer on the string that you try to hook on the the hook mounted to the wall. I have no idea what you guys talked yeah, about. Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a, we're giving it a, <laughs> not a great description. I'm sure there's a, I mean, I've heard of all. washers where you So take... like you have a coat hanger hook mounted on the wall. Okay. And then you have this length of the string that has this large washer on it. And okay. you're standing like. Like what's the ID on the washer? You're, you you're... have to get to hook the washer on the hook. Like right. But to... what's the ID on the washer? What do you mean? Like, what's the inside diameter on the washer? Is it like a oh. whatever it is? I don't, but you I don't said know, I, I thought you were saying idea, not ID. No, 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 like ID. Like, what's the what's the inside diameter of the washer? It's, like, it's, is it's, it, it's a ring. Are it's we probably... talking like it's a you know a three quarter inch washer like on the inside, or are we talking something like significant? No, it's probably no. about an inch. Yeah. Okay, so it's pretty big. That's good. Yeah. So whatever yeah, you, that game's called, they have that there, and. Uh, Otherwise also, known as drunk people try to toss shit on a hook. Pretty, yeah. pretty well, much. <laughs> also, uh, Old Time Barbecue has been there when I've been there, and that's some really delicious barbecue out of a food truck, so hit them up wherever you see them. Yeah, we had a really good time at the, uh, at the taste room this last time. The The staff was really helpful. They were really nice, and uh, it, it's, it's a great time, so you should definitely check them out, especially if you like supporting a very uh, a fairly small uh, operation. Let's, let's get them uh, a little love. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this Beertastic Voyage. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage, and Twitter and Instagram at beertasticshow. Or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and cheers for local beers.